Hello, it's Anthony Chadwick from the Webinar Vet, welcoming you to another episode of Vet Chat, the UK's number one veterinary podcast. I'm very fortunate today to have Tullus Matson on the line. Uh, Tullus is the founder of Nature's Safe, which is a really interesting charity that we're going to talk about over the next um, 20 minutes, half an hour. But we obviously share a few things in common, Tullus, uh, as we've been chatting. Uh, there is an interest in AI and frozen semen, isn't there? There's a common bond. There is, there is, yeah. We've been sort of doing artificial insemination with horses for, I feel like, an eternity now, but uh, sort of 30-odd years now, which is uh, which is great. It's great to see the journey that's it's changed over those 30 years to see where it is now and the uptake of it in the in, in the UK as well has been quite brilliant. Yeah. Well, I remember when I was a student, I went around with a, a vet, a great vet called John Newcomb. Uh, oh, the legend. The prior legend. to going to vet school and then at vet school, and then at the end, uh, one of my favourite horses, Coleman, was at the vet school as well, and I ended up looking after him. And I think Coleman's got a, a reputation in the uh, the field. There was plenty of uh, semen stored and presumably lots of, Foals out there that are Coleman's offspring. Yes, I think I think there would be. Yes, yeah. I mean that's the beauty about uh, AI and frozen semen, and that's what we'll come on to later. You know, you can use it, you know, in 10, 20, 30, or even a thousand years time. You know, that's the beauty about it. When it's saving those genetics, it's uh, it's a great way of, as a business side or or as a conservation side. Yeah, and of course that the cattle industry led the way it was very very uh, entrenched and, and very much accepted in, in the cattle industry obviously there was this um conservative attitude in in the horse industry and particularly and i mean thoroughbred still uh can't be artificially inseminated can they or at least they can't then go on to race and things no so the thoroughbred industry everything's got to be done by natural covering for many reasons and for good reasons as well you know obviously yeah. Uh, the gene pool would suddenly, you know, would shrink if they suddenly could cover. They can cover about two hundred and fifty mares, and they yeah. could suddenly maybe do a thousand. So, um, so the sport horse industry was, um, I'd say, maybe in the shadow of the thoroughbred industry for, for a while with its the techniques. And then, you know, we've started doing it. Uh, must be thirty two, thirty three years ago now. Um, you know, through really through by an accident. You know, we were naturally covering and then. Unfortunately, the stallion ruptured the mare, and the mare passed away. And and that was an Irish draft stallion as well, uh, a stallion called Sportsman, and by Skippy. And I thought there must be an easy way of doing this. And and literally from that, it's amazing how your paths take you in in business or whichever way it is. I thought there must be an easy way. And I used to hatch chickens. I loved hatching chickens out, and had all these incubators and. I, cleaned all my incubators out, put all my AI stuff in them. It may not be very hygienic back then. Um, and uh, thought, right, this is the, you know, find another way. And I learned it in New Zealand because in New Zealand, I went off to New Zealand after this accident and uh, and they were the North and South Island and they shipped semen backwards and forwards because it's so expensive to move horses backwards and forwards uh, on the, on the, on the uh, standard bread uh, stud farms and then started, say, bring it back here. And I think at the, I sort of learned a bit. I think I was putting everything in the mare sometimes, apart from semen. I, yeah, I really was just trying to feel my way. And then it just snowballed. It really then started to take off. I remember the first year we AI'd six mares 
And it literally doubled nearly every year. I think the following year I had the stats. It was something like 12 or 13 mares, then it was 25. And, yeah. and it just grew. And we were very lucky. We are in the right place at the right time. And it grew and grew and grew. And then we suddenly realized, actually, this is a, a great way now, not just to, uh, on that side of it, as a, uh, of, a sort of health and safety side. It was a great way of then starting to spread the genetics around. And uh, yeah. um, and it was really the invent of Genus. I don't know whether, do you know Genus, the cattle company? Yes. Um, they said, look, we were really interested in in, in this, of, uh, of maybe looking at the equine industry, because they are very much huge in the in the bovine industry so they to be fair back in 96 that's when i really went on my own and started uh, freezing horse semen well they did the freezing over there to be fair we did the collecting over here and it, it, it got bigger and bigger uh really on that side and then foot and mouth came in i think about the 2000 or something mm. and they said right that's it we can't have the semen come to our labs so we thought Christ, what? so we're gonna to have to start freezing ourselves and suddenly realized actually the freezing got better and better if you're doing it on site so it was a, it was a, and that was a really very start and those were the days actually jonathan pike was very much involved in those days because that's when we started setting up the beaver ai uh technician courses then for the veterinarians i remember doing the very very first ones with uh jane nixon was was involved in them and yeah right teaching bets you know, all on that side of it. It was a huge, huge honour to be a part of those very, very early days back in 96. Mm. And I remember coming over to your uh, stud farm in, in Whitchurch with with Jonathan, and it was a, a great day, obviously also for doing all the PDing and yeah. diagnosis of pregnancies, which they're a, which Jonathan's able to teach to the students. So it's a, it's a great setup you've got there. And, and of course, this has helped in the journey to what, Perhaps we're going to talk a little bit more about today, which is which is nature's safe. Uh, some of the technology and the techniques that you've learned for horses, you've been able to then start to think, well, we obviously have a problem of biodiversity. We talk a lot about carbon, but actually biodiversity, there are species being lost every day. Um, tell us a little bit about the premise behind nature's safe. Yeah, well, the Sort of going back a step, like you're saying, it, I was uh, uh, my father was actually president of the Rare Breed Survival Trust, uh, which was uh, uh, set up by Adam Henson's uh, father back in '76, I think. But they've never lost a species ever since it was set up. Um, uh, Joe Henson, that's it, um, yeah. who set it up, and uh, and I became a trustee of that after my father passed away, and had a huge. On a, and I must admit, I love technologies. I love the new technologies that are out there, like your AI, like your freezing semen. But I love my rare breeds. I just love seeing if there's a way that you could try and use science and technology to help them. So, of course, we were banking semen from Suffolk Punches, Clydesdale, mm -hmm. Cleveland Bays. You know, there's, there's, I think there's 14 rare breed or native uh, breeds of equines in the UK. 12 are, uh, are endangered. So we use these technologies and suddenly realized, actually, God, these can actually help. So we had the first foal born by sex semen. Um, that was through using the, the, the sexing machines at Cogent. Uh, there's only 80 females, breeding females left in the country. It's about 300 breeding females in the world. Remember these amazing animals, the suffer punches. They once put food on our table in the 1940s. Yeah. yeah we've, I feel we've got a sort of debt of gratitude to really keep them going. Some people sort of say, well, we haven't got use for them now. But uh, to me, they're just an iconic 
breed of horses and mm. I feel we've got a sense of duty and it's so sad to see I've got a picture of my grandfather actually getting the, the hay in on this farm with some yes. self-conscious and, and so well thought, let's see if we can save them my dad was a carter at the Liverpool dock so he oh. knew the horses very well and yeah. I actually worked as a student at Croxford Park which is a rare breed survival trust centre yeah uh, yeah uh, rode a Cleveland Bay out bareback because I'm probably the only one who could get on to it uh, and of course we did a lot of work in in Croxus Park with the Irish Moyle cow yeah uh, which was a very rare breed of cow and Ian Gill was one of our doctors of uh, genetics taught us all of our genetics at Liverpool University yeah yeah so I know the rare breed survival trust very well and it, it's great to see it's still going strong as well yeah it is and it's and like you say I was a huge honor to be part of that and then a, a, sort of the light bulb moment came I thought well, if we can save a, you know, a suffer punch or a rhino by using these new technologies, why can't we say, you know, save the rhinos or the elephants or, and sort of looked into it a bit more. And we set up a, a, another company, a genetics company for the, uh, preserving the tissue samples for cats, dogs and horses. And uh, again, if we can bring a cat and dog and, or, or a horse back from a literally a tissue sample, again, why can't we do this for other species? And thought, well, obviously, it's already out there. And then I spoke to a few other companies that have got biobanks out there. And there's one, one particular one in, in the UK and uh, called, called the Frozen Ark. And they said, yes, but what, you're, what we're looking at is just freezing them out down at minus 80. And what you're proposing to do, and we're looking at just at the DNA, but we can't bring these cells back to life. And so they said, yeah. yeah. What you're doing is the missing link, which was which was great, really. So uh, we thought, right, let's see if we can establish something to a, a biobank to freeze these cells in a living state. So that's where Nature Safe was formed. I mean, it's a really sad predicament we're all in. We hear it on the news every single day about the environmental loss and the, the loss of habitat. With loss of habitat, we get loss of species. With loss of species, we lose our biodiversity. Put it into context, I think I was saying before, by the time we finish this interview, there'll be another two species gone extinct. You know, one every 15 minutes, roughly. There's six six million species roughly on the planet. There's one million uh you know in you know endangered. There's 40,000 critically endangered. And it's it's you know it's really, really sad. So we've all got our sort of sense of duty, I feel, to do something, and I think we all do different things in different ways. Uh, and it's the biggest honour in the world uh, to be a part of this. And it's a great team. It's not just, I'm, yes, I'm the founder, but we have a huge team behind there to say for scientists and zoo people. And, uh, so it's a great team effort to come together. And we've got Chester Zoo is one of our foundation zoos. They've been absolutely brilliant and really getting behind us at the beginning uh, and saying we really want to support this. And we've got ZSL or London Zoo on board now. We've got Twycross. We've got lots of different zoos on board now. We've got 12 different zoos. So it's uh, it, it hopefully it can really make a difference. And we've frozen 144 different species just in the last year, everything from the southern white rhino to Asian elephants to something called the mountain chicken frog, which I bet no one's really ever heard of. But they are as important, if more important, than, than some of the bigger species because they are, you know, they're, they're going to help, if we can save them, slow down the biodiversity loss.
Do you know the world's longest running online veterinary conference is back? Join us from the 6th to the 10th of February 2023 for the Webinar Vets 11th Annual Virtual Congress. Enjoy 10 hours of free live clinical content delivered by expert veterinary speakers covering everything from nutrition to cardiology. With special thanks to our sponsors Simply Vets, Mars, Veterinary Health, Royal Cannon, Nationwide and Wikibet. Click the link in the description to register today. I think you make a really good point. I think they're all equally important. We have the sexy rhino species, yes. and then you have the mountain chicken frog, which obviously nobody's heard of. But yeah, you know, as a as a believer, they're all God creatures, and you know we should try and be saving them, shouldn't we? And it, of course, what you're saying is with the tissue, you're you're saving tissue, which then can be eventually somewhere down the line differentiated back into uh semen into eggs and yeah. then you can recreate the species yeah. in a donor uh species I, I suppose frogs are easier because that's all external fertilization so you can clone a, a frog a lot easier than a than a mammal presumably yes in, in theory and it's uh, and there's all different aspects and how it works basically when an animal dies at say chester zoo or wherever if it's a female, they take a skin sample off, be it ear, uh, and they take the ovaries out and they send us those. And in the ovaries, especially with the mammal, you know, you have all the eggs in there. So we slice that up and freeze the, 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 the ovaries down and the skin sample. Now, the ovaries, in theory, in the future, they've already done this in mice. So have they done it in a rhino? No, they haven't. But in the mice, they have, where they can start growing those uh, eggs uh you know uh, in a laboratory then hopefully by ICSI and other methods they can fertilize those eggs with the skin sample it's a really interesting one because you've got the whole dna of that whole animal in there whereas with a sperm and egg you only have part of the dna yeah. so you can literally turn that cell if it's a living cell it's programmed to produce skin that's why we like the skin cells because they replicate you know like when you cut yourself it, it regenerates yeah. and scabs over and the cell does the same thing but if you can reprogram that cell, you turn it into what's called a pure plotin stem cell. And then by adding different growth factors or, or gene editing it, you can make it think it's a sperm or an egg. Now, that's only one attribute. And obviously, there's the cloning side. There's all different attributes. To it, and a lot of it we don't really know. Uh, so a lot of it is for the future. So, uh, um, but uh, yeah, there's a, it's a huge task. And we need 50 different genetic samples, ideally from each species, because you need diversity. Yeah. One thing people don't realize is what makes the species go extinct. Yes, we're talking about loss of habitat, but it's the inbreeding. It's the inbreeding. We see that with the Suffolk punches. We see that with the Clydesdale sometimes with the inbreeding is what uh, makes them go extinct. We see some of these rare breed horses coming in with tiny little testicles when they should be bigger. And that's sort mm -hmm. of nature's way of saying we can't carry. And that's the same with these other species as well. So when we lock down that genetic diversity in the future in 10, 20, 30 or a thousand years time, we can bring back that line that's lost. And there's a, a great example. I, I don't know if you've heard of the black-footed ferret. They're, they're, it's a, it's a, they're indigenous to America. They virtually went extinct in the 1970s, but got wiped out by December. They, there's only, I think, come from four different lines, but they had the foresight to freeze some cells down then. And David Atterborough spoke about it about six months ago in the mating game. Um, and so, so they're so inbred. So they got a line that was lost 30 years ago, woke those cells up, cloned the ferret, and she was born. She was called Elizabeth Ann. 
uh, and she was born in 2020, in, in, I think it was, it was in July 2020, and uh, she could be the stabilising that species now, and it's just yeah. incredible that, you know, effectively that ferret is 30 years old and born. So it really shows really what can be done by living biobanks. It, it really does. It gives us a little bit of hope. Uh, no, it's a great it's a great story. And I think, you know, you were saying that you obviously freeze the ovaries and you freeze the skin, but presumably semen also can freeze for a long time. What, at what stage do you think it loses its viability once it's frozen? Well, we, we started freezing in 96 and back then we've got totally different freezing technology than we have now. So the cryoprotectants we use and things like that have changed. And we're still using stuff back in 96. So it doesn't really deteriorate. And I think what we're freezing now, I think will last 10, 20, 1,000 years time. It just, there seems to be no deterioration at all. When it's suspended in animation at minus 196, it, it doesn't really change. It's, I can't say never, but we just don't see any. And, the, and our cryoprotectants are used now so much better back then. So, you know, we're freezing, we froze some semen off a, a mouse deer not so long ago, which is one of the smallest deer in the world, incredibly rare. Uh, so when we're freezing semen of this species, those we can use a little bit sooner because in theory we can use that the, the, the semen now. Um, and the testicles, we do the same with that. We'll take a biopsy or uh, a testicle of tissue. And they have done this in mice already. But again, we haven't done it in other species where they can grow semen in the labs from those because that's right, that, the that, because they are designed to do that. So yeah. we're, we're doing different parts of the, the reproductive anatomy and as well as skin. But skin is the easiest one uh, and 80% yeah. of our samples we freeze down is skin because it's so easy and it has five days. So where the sperm and ovaries and ovaries uh, and testicles, we've, we have to be freeze it down in 24 hours with um, skin samples. We've got up to five Absolutely. days, which is brilliant. So we can get stuff from all over. Yeah. It's really fascinating. It's um, you know, you were t saying about why you started this, the unfortunate accident for the, for the mayor. Uh, obviously very sad but of course there's dangers to the person trying to collect the semen as well so uh you know i i've, I've obviously been involved with collecting semen in in cows and and horses and and you need to be able to move quite agilely don't you it's not it's not one for the faint-hearted is it no no collected off uh we do about 120 stallions here roughly a year and there's all different shapes and sizes and they're generally okay and if you can get them on the dummy but some have got higher libidos than others and you're right and i always um feel that yeah sometimes you know you do these courses and things like this that we've done for years and say this is what you've got to do but when you've got to thrust yourself underneath a, a stallion i remember collecting off an irish draft stallion once and i was at one end of the, the field next to the mayor uh waiting for the irish draft stallion coming they came at the top end of there well it felt like it was doing about 30 mile an hour by the time it, i know that irish draft dog maybe got there if I hit that mayor thinking crikey now i've got to get underneath it this ton yeah. of horse or three but but yeah, it's uh, but we've learned an awful lot of how we, you know, the best environments to do this in now, and yes. uh, it's 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 uh, it's it's to be fair, yeah, it's it's pretty pretty safe, but yes, you just have to be aware of this one hundred percent. Steel steel toe caps and uh, hard hats are always useful, aren't they? Uh, a must, very much so. Yes, I uh, I, I still remember, um, and I won't mention any names, but in my group as a student, and now quite an eminent um, veterinarian. And he was just a bit too slow, sort of getting the artificial vagina out from the from the cow, and we all uh, we all laughed. But of course, it, he was okay. 
but he got trodden on a little bit, which made it quite amusing. It was a terrible thing to be amused about, but uh, we'd all managed to move a bit quicker. Yeah, no, no definitely. And, and uh, yeah, some of these bigger horses, like we do big shires, you know, and, and yes. they're over a tonne. But then basically we get them trained onto a dummy mare. It just makes the whole whole job easier. I mean, obviously, I went I had the fortunate thing going to South Africa to collect off elephants, but we, we sedate them and knock them out. Thank goodness, as if you wouldn't want to be. Uh, yes, that uh, would but... be a challenge, Tullis. I'd like to see the video of that. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It would, it would be showed at your funeral, I think. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How did Tullis, yeah. What happened to Tullis? Well, this is this that way. Yeah, trying to wrestle an elephant. He lived the. He died the way he he had lived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, doing all these different species. And what I find fascinating, you get, uh, you 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 get the call from the zoo saying, look, this animal has passed away. And to say we've got a great team behind us, so we're always trying to work out how to freeze. But sometimes these species come in; they've never ever been frozen before. The the, the sea. Yeah. So, and you've got this critically endangered species, and it's quite well. It's very stressful, you know. In the fact that, and it's, I have to admit, a lot of time it doesn't work because you've got to find out what mediums, what extenders, and all the different yeah. things to try and feed that species down. So, and it's coming to you, and you have a, a very short time period to do it. So, it is, it, it's absolutely fascinating. I find it's one of the best jobs in the world to do because you're always trying to think on your feet. You're learning all the time, aren't you? Learning all the time, and, and all, the, all the time when you're doing it. And, uh, we grow cells the other day. We had a say the other day, Lucy and our other lab. Uh, we had a, I think it was a cheetah that died uh, back in 2019. We just froze the ear sample down. We woke those cells up about a year ago. Uh, and it's fascinating how that suspended in animation. We wrote this, and you could see life forming again in front of you under that microscope. The DNA, you know, in, or not the DNA, you can see those skin cells where the DNA is still in there. And it's just quite incredible now what science has to offer uh for sort of conservation and how it could be used in the future it really is and it's just amazing uh, the whole of nature and biology how it actually works and i think there's so much more else to learn about all these different species and what we can do with these cells i think we're only just uh mm -hmm. starting off to be fair it's absolutely fascinating it really is Tullis, I know, uh, obviously you've got some partners helping you with this vet partners bova verback um, perhaps at the end of this, you know, in the description, we'll we'll put your email address so people can get in contact if they want to know more or how they can get involved. But it's uh, fascinating work. I think it's one of our value words is innovation. I love to talk to innovative companies, which uh, I think it's fair to say you're one of those. Yeah, well, I'd love we're very much about having anybody on board. It doesn't have to be money either. I know people say, oh, well, but yes, obviously we need money to sustain the charity, but it's about door openings. We're doing you know, an event at the Natural History Museum, you know, in February and, you know, Verbach are our main sponsors there and we've got vet partners and, you know, it's a lot of them and, and, and Bova, but the veterinary industry, I have to admit, have really got behind us and I can't thank yeah. you guys enough out there. But we're any any way we're you know, it's only it's hundred pounds to freeze one sample. It's five thousand to preserve one species. It's it's you know mm. it's, it's it's yes it's a lot, but it's not a lot really. Depending you know showing what it can actually do. So now we're very much about getting people on board, and uh, it's a great journey to be on. And and I I I think it, you know we're only at the race start of it, which is fascinating. So this, it's been really fascinating to speak to you. Thank you so much for giving your time. And you better go back and start collecting some samples, I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you.
thank you, Anthony. It's been an absolute uh, pleasure. And thank you so much for having me on there. And anything to sort of spread the word is, is a great bonus. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks, Tullus. Thanks, everyone, for listening. It's, this is Anthony Chadwick, the webinar vet. This has been another episode of Vet Chat. Bye-bye.